Father, as we uh, get into your word, I do pray that you would bless this time. Lord, as, uh, as uh, we hear the heart of you through the heart of Peter to that culture, what was going on there, Lord, how they're facing uh, difficulties, things going on, I pray, Lord, that it would speak to us, especially, Lord, I think especially if we're going through kind of trials or difficult times, that we would hear your heart for us tonight. And Lord, that we would be encouraged and strengthened. And we thank you, God. We thank you that we have your word written down that we can go back to over and over and it doesn't change. And, and Lord, it stays the same. So I just pray that you would bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we got to think about as Peter's writing to this group, uh, it's probably right before Nero is getting ready to like really unleash on Christians. So they're about to face probably some of the worst persecution ever recorded for Christians. And that's coming up, and I think a lot of them knew that. I think that, you know, it's kind of in the air. You can kind of tell when something's coming down. So Peter is trying to encourage them, and, and maybe some of them have already suffered certain things, and he's trying to do that. But here's something I know. Whenever we hit something that's difficult, we think we're the only ones who have ever suffered, right? Woe is me. And hey, we need to know lots of people go through difficult times and hard times. Even believers go through hard times. And I know that some teach that believers don't have to. We're gonna see that's entirely different and a different view that Peter had and that God has and that we need to understand that. He's doing things for our good and because he loves us. Warren Wiersbe wrote this. This is pretty incredible. Listen to what he says. In the furnace of persecution and suffering, we often have more light by which we can examine our lives and ministries. Ah, when we're going through those fiery trials, just think of that as a little bit better light for what you're going through, right? And to be able to see and understand. So, Peter writing to this group, listen how he opens it up here in verse 12. He says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. So again, it's interesting that he brings the idea up because maybe some of them, maybe some of them were whining, I don't know, to Peter. I don't know what was going on. But listen, he says, don't think it's strange. And again, going back to us, I think most of us, if we're really honest, when we're going through something, we kind of think, why is that happening to me? Why is it me? And I think God, if he could, you know, if he wanted to talk to, back to us, he'd go, why not? <laughs> but he's working in our lives, and that's what we need to understand. Listen, it's not, things that go on in our lives aren't just happenstance. I believe, listen, I believe God has a plan for us. And I believe God's working in us. And I believe even in the midst of the things that we never dreamt we would go through, never even counted for ourselves, it's God's plan to work in us, not to destroy us. He wants to purify us. And it's not punishment, it's purification. So here's what he's saying. Don't think it's strange when you're going through a fiery trial. And again, think back. What did Jesus say? I'm not gonna tell you, so read all the Gospels for homework. And then what did Paul say? I'm not gonna tell you, so read all of Paul's letters for homework. 
And what did John say? I'm not going to do it again. Listen, all through, listen, all through Scripture, and especially the New Testament, we're warned and told that we are going to go through persecution. We're going to go through hard times. We're going to go through difficult times, and it's going to happen. And here Peter's saying, don't think it's strange. And again, what do all of us think? We think it's strange, right? Why is this happening? And then I love it. He says, this is to try you, not in the sense of to try you, to break you, but to refine you. God loves us enough to allow us to go through those things so that we would be changed. I always think of, I always think of uh, Daniel, and not necessarily Daniel, but his three buddies who got thrown in a furnace. Have you ever thought about that incident? Like, who wouldn't want to hang out with Jesus? And if they had not suffered that fiery trial, they would have never hung out with Jesus, right? So you got to think about those things. And none of us are going to, like, cause them. And, oh, by the way, if you're doing self-inflicted suffering, you're not going to get credit for that. I know some people that like set themselves up and do some stupid things and then go, why is God allowing this in my life? Because you're stupid, that's why. You know, that's Pastor Jack's counseling, not mine. <laughs> so listen, man, we go through those things and that happens to us. So, so listen, he says, don't think it's strange. And then he says, as though some strange thing happened to you. Now listen what he says in verse 13. But rejoice Wow, that's kind of just intense. You just stop there and go, seriously? Think about things that have happened in your life. Do you really want to stop and rejoice in those times? It's tough, isn't it? It's tough. Now, listen, he's not saying we need to rejoice because of what's happening to us. That would be stupid. That would be dumb. What does he say? He says, hey, don't think you're going through some strange thing. Rejoice to the extent that you are partake, or that, uh, to the extent that you partake in Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceedingly joy. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you and I, you and I get to be part of something bigger than us. And when he says partake, it's kind of interesting that we're in this passage tonight. When he says that word that you get to partake in Christ's suffering, it's the same Greek word that is used for coming to the Lord's table, koinonia, gathering, that, having that thing in union. So here's what he's saying. You need to rejoice in the fact that you get to be connected and part of Christ's suffering, not in the sense of his suffering for redemption, but the fact that he suffered, we get to suffer, so that we can enjoy his glory and partake in his glory. And that's what we need to understand. Again, I think of the three guys going into the furnace. They never dreamt, I don't think they, in their wildest imagination, as they're challenging, uh, I was gonna say Nero, but it was uh, 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 Nebuchadnezzar, another end guy. Huh, that's kind of interesting. Sorry. That's what happens in here. I usually don't say those things out loud. It's kind of interesting, right? Nero, Nebuchadnezzar, huh. We should do a study on that. But anyway, when Nebuchadnezzar, listen, I don't think they ever dreamt as they're having that conversation with him that they would end up in that furnace protected and that Jesus would show up. 
But what did they get to do? Partake, right? And so you and I, in our trials, here's what we need to understand, that we, we partake in Christ's suffering so that when his glory is revealed, then we can be not just full of joy, exceedingly joyful. I know in my own life, when I've come to the place and walking through something that, you know, God has chosen for me to walk through that I'm not enjoying, but here's what I know, man. I get on the other side and then I realize, man, there is something so much better that I learned had I never gone through that. And we need to understand, listen, as we're going through it, none of us would choose those things for ourselves. But I love the idea, and Greg Laurie said it best when he lost his son, his one son died. Here's what he said. Father knows best. And he chooses the best. Whether we, whether we understand it, whether we can put it together, whether it you know, logically makes sense, he knows. And we get to, listen, we get that exceeding joy when his glory is revealed. And here's what I know. Sometimes looking back, you forget the pain and the hurt because you've grown and you matured from that experience Gaynell and I were talking to a young couple getting ready to go out and plant a church. It was about a year ago. And we're spending some time with them. They wanted some information. And we were talking about suffering. And, and, and uh, I remember I had said, well, I don't think I've really suffered. And Gaynell goes, really? <laughs> Let me list the list for you. And here's what I think, here's what I think. you forget that that was suffering because God turns it into glory for him. And you start walking that way. So listen, listen to what he says. This is what's gonna happen. Now, I don't know about you guys, but again, rejoice because we get to partake in the fact of exceedingly joy. I'm thinking, man, he's talking about a lot of joy here in the midst of suffering. And Peter's looking at things entirely different than I look at him. And then some people might go, well, maybe they're really not gonna suffer. Oh, these people are gonna suffer and Peter's gonna suffer. And it's going to be intense. And most of us, I don't think we'll ever see that kind of persecution. Maybe, but I think most of us, we're not going to, we're not going to get into that kind of stuff. I think that, you know, some of the worst persecution we get is maybe from somebody rejecting us. Now, trials, that's a whole different thing. We walk through stuff, and life is hard. And listen, it doesn't become a bed of roses for Christians, God is still working in our lives. So Peter lets him know this is what's going to happen. And then he says, listen, now he gets into kind of the persecution part. If you, were, if you are reproached for the name of Christ. Now you need to underline that because I don't want you to be reproached because you're a jerk for Jesus. And then you go, oh, I'm suffering for Jesus. No, you're suffering because you're a jerk. And that's on you, right? That's part of you. I remember there was a guy that... that uh, we had done some ministry with, and uh, I know he went, and I've told you guys this before, he went down to Mexico, kind of started a ministry. The government of Mexico told him he needed to do things a certain way. He chose not to do them that way. The Mexican government came down and kicked him out of Mexico. And I remember he came across the border, and he goes, I'm suffering for Jesus. I go, no, you're suffering because you're stupid. That's what you are, you're suffering. You brought this on yourself has nothing to do with the gospel. And listen, saints, we don't need to do that. And he's gonna to talk to us about that in a moment. But he says, listen, when you suffer reproach for the name of Christ, blessed are you. 
for the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. Again, thinking about the guys in the fiery furnace, right? What did they get to experience and what happened to them? And listen, when we do it on our own, we don't get that glory of God. We don't get the spirit resting upon us. We get heaviness, right? But when we suffer because of him and reproach because of him, then, listen, then we will receive that glory, that, that spirit upon us and be able to walk through it. So Peter, again, is talking to these guys, letting them know, here's, here's life and here's what's going to happen and you need to know the spirit of God, the glory and spirit of God is gonna rest upon you. And then he says this, on their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he's glorified. Have you ever thought about when people are speaking evil of your Christianity and your Jesus, that that's on them, not on you? And they're blaspheming God, and God, we're gonna read here at the end, God is gonna judge them, but for us, when we stand firm and we don't back down, then God is glorified in our lives, and we're glorifying him by our actions and by, we handle, by the way we handle things. So listen, I think, I think Peter's like, I think Peter's kind of foreseeing, and I don't know how much you know about Nero's persecution. Number one, he set the, in Rome on fire because he was trying to change things and then blamed it on Christians and said the Christians did it. And then he took Christians, dipped them in tar, and lit them on fire for torches at night. He sewed them into animal skins and threw them into the... Into, uh, the uh, Colosseum, so that lions and wild animals could eat them. I mean, it was a horrible time. And here's what he's saying. You need to understand, that's on them. You glorify your God. So they're looking at horrific things going on. And he's saying, stand your ground. Stand up for Jesus. I don't think we're facing those kind of things. But I know each one of us in our lives face things that we never thought we would face. So Peter lays that out. Now listen to what he says, but, verse 15, let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters. Oh, I think it's kind of interesting, this list of, quote, sins that he gives. He gives the sin of murder. That's usually a high one on our list, right? We usually think murder's pretty bad. And then he what does he say, murder or thief, right? He says that if you suffer for being a murderer, a thief, or an evildoer. I don't know what he's including an evildoer, but notice his last part. Or a busybody, a gossip. Wow, have you ever thought, have you ever thought that being that person is equal in God's eyes to murder? Mm, we don't like to talk about that, right? We don't like that part. And what's kind of fun for me is when you get into the language here, that word that he uses for busybody, how does, how does it done in a New King James? Busybody in other people's matters. It's, it's just one word there, and it's, uh, it's one word that's a combination of two words. And one of the words is the same word that's translated elder or overseer, and then the other word is other people. So you're busy about overseeing other people's business. Gaynell got a sign. I think I told you guys she got a sign. I found your nose. It's in my business. 
That's a great sign. That's great, right? Hey, when you're busy in other people's business, do you understand? Do you understand when you're doing that? That in God's eyes, that's equivalent to murder? Hmm. So let's get back to what he's saying now, right? I mean, that just, like, that just blows my mind that he does that. But here's what he's saying. If you suffer for the name of Jesus is one thing, and I've kind of already brought this up, right? But if you suffer as a murderer, that's on you. That's not on God. That's something you did that you brought that kind of stuff on you. If you suffer as a thief, you brought that on you. Or an evildoer, you brought that on you. Or as a gossip, you brought that on you. Now I know gossip is an accepted sin in Christianity, right? Because we do this. We, instead of gossiping, here's what we say. I'll pray. And we gotta call so-and-so. Hey, you need to pray for so-and-so. Because here's what they did. And then if anybody with any authority shows up, we go like this. Wasn't saying anything. So some of us need to underline this in our Bible, right? You need to underline, I, I, I even like the way the New King James puts it, a busybody in other people's matters. Well, if you're doing that, get out of their matters. And get in your own matters. Start taking care of yourself. So what's Peter saying here? Some of the stuff that comes upon us, we bring it upon ourselves. And we need to know that. It's stuff that we've brought, that we've caused to happen. And that's generally, I think, when we kind of scream the loudest. Why is this happening to me? Because you're a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a busybody. That's why it's happening to you. Stop doing things. And, you know, I mean, I look at people sometimes and I think, you make like the worst life decisions ever. And I don't know how you work so hard at that. Like, to me, there's like two decisions. This one seems kind of easy. And this one seems really difficult. And we choose this one. And Peter's saying, don't blame your bad life decisions on God. And you know what, Christian, I think this is important. We're not called to fix people's bad life decisions. We can talk to them about it, but we're not called to fix it. I, re I remember hearing a, a, a Christian artist, a, it was John Cooper, saying, God did not call me to help you resolve your bad life decisions. Now, what he's talking about is that I've got to take care of you, I've got to bring you in, etc. I can counsel you, I can point them out, but you've got to figure that out. And isn't that what Peter's telling us here? Hey, you're going to suffer. Listen, as Christians, we are going to suffer. And we're going to suffer in so many different ways. Again, in our culture, we may not suffer from persecution, but God is gonna find ways to get a hold of us because some of us, that's the only way he can communicate with us. He's gonna find ways to do that. So we're gonna do that, but when you're making bad life decisions, don't blame that on God. You need to take responsibility for what you've done and the direction you've gone. So that's Peter's advice so far. He says, so don't suffer for that. Verse 16, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, Here's an interesting thing. This is one of the few times that the word Christian is ever brought up 
in the New Testament. Do you know that? They don't talk about Christians in the New Testament. And some of us are kind of shocked. What do you mean they don't talk about Christians? That word's only used three times. It's used in Acts chapter 11, where they called them at Antioch, they called them Christians. And then it's used in Acts chapter 26, where, where uh, Paul is witnessing to Agrippa, and Agrippa says, oh, do you think in such a short time you can persuade me to become a Christian? And then it's used here. And again, it's a word that means little Christ, followers of Christ. It's not used generally, other than those times in the New Testament, so it's not a big word. But listen to what he says. He says, he says yet if anyone suffers as a Christian because you're following Christ, he says, let him not be ashamed. Hey, don't be ashamed when people mock you or make fun of your Christianity. I kind of think, listen, there's stuff going on right now in our country. It's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to own Christianity, isn't it? If we're, if we're honest, out in, out in public, out in the world. The world's not really accepting of us right now, especially in, in America, in this place that we're living it's not very accepting. Listen, I don't think they're gonna, I don't think they're gonna beat us up and do all of that. But it's just, listen, for some of us, just being rejected is hard enough. And we're afraid we're gonna be rejected. We're afraid if we take a stand. And right now, listen, right now, in our world that we're living in, we have come to the place where good is called evil and evil is called good. There was a guy named Isaiah said that a long time ago. And he said that was gonna happen. And, Man, I don't know. I don't know if every generation thinks this, but it is huge right now. And if you stand up as a Christian for good, even if you say good things, you're going to be rejected. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, as a Christian, listen, if you as a Christian do not be, or let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God, you and I need to even more so Glorify God right now. We need to be those people who are gonna take a stand. We're not gonna shrink back. We're not gonna be people who, what are they gonna think of me? We wanna glorify him. And we wanna lift up his name. And so, listen, again, I don't think that's easy right now. I think it's difficult. We have so much going on in our nation. And, you know, I don't wanna get, get into a whole bunch of stuff. But that's going on. And then he says, yeah, if anyone suffers as a Christian... Now, I know some movements don't believe Christians should ever suffer. They believe we should be healthy, wealthy, and happy. Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be good if that was the gospel and the, you accept Jesus and instantly your bank account triples <laughs> and then all of your disease goes away and you're just happy all the time? That's not the gospel, is it? It's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a fake gospel. And here's what happens, man. People buy into that, and then something bad happens to them, and they lose their faith in God. And even at times, listen, at times, if we're all honest, when bad things happen to us, it makes us question, where's God? Why isn't he on my side? Why isn't he helping me? Why is he letting this happen to me? Why is this going on in my life? Doesn't God know how faithful I am? Doesn't he know that I'm serving him? Doesn't he know what I'm doing? Any of you guys do that stuff? No, you holy people. 
And Peter lets us know, listen, Peter's so, so real. And, you know, again, I think of, do you remember when Jesus was about to go to the cross? And he said, I am going to suffer. Do you remember what Peter said? Not on my watch. I'm the rock. I will take care of you. You think some of that's ringing in his mind right now? You think he's going, I was so stupid. Why did I say that? Because he told the Lord, no, you're not going to suffer while I'm around. I'm Peter. I've got this. And listen to what he, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed. Don't be somebody who you're going to shrink back. Now again, that's suffering as a Christian, not suffering as a murderer, thief, evildoer, or gossip. But suffering as a Christian, don't be ashamed. And he says we need to just glorify God in that. And we need to be people that we want to, we want to bring glory to God in those manners. For, verse 17, now here's the thing. For the time has come. Oh. You hear what he's saying? Now here's what I find interesting. He wrote this almost 2,000 years ago. Right? And he says the time has come. It's there now. And man, listen, if it was, if it was the timing then, I think it's got to be so much more the timing now, right? He says the time has come, and listen to what he says, for judgment to begin in the house of God. Wow. I wonder how name it and claim it people treat this verse. I bet they have black highlighters. Just like cross that out. It's time for judgment to come and it begins in the house of God. Anytime I read that, I think of, I, I gotta go to, to Acts and Ananias and, and Sapphira, Remember? Remember when they gave all of their money to the poor? Man, you talk about judgment beginning in the house of God. Remember what happened? Yeah, we gave all of our money. <laughs> Dead, man. He just died right there. Think about, think about if we did the things that we do today, some of you done tonight in church, if it was that judgment, man, we'd need a Morgan here, right? Some of you are going, not me. <laughs> now you just are definitely going to die. <laughs> I mean, I just think about, I just think about, think about how serious God, church got after that, right? I mean, it's bad when Ananias died, but then when Sapphira, right? And they carry her out. Don't you know everybody in church is confessing every sin that they ever committed, ever thought they might have committed, even got close to committing. Lord, I just want to get this out of here. And so sometimes that cleansing is good, right? And it's like, phew. so listen, it's time for judgment to begin here. And we need to be people who, you know what? God, it's okay if you judge me. He's not talking about, listen, he's not talking about judgment for salvation. He's talking about, again, bringing that refining fire in our lives. And Peter's saying, let it, let it happen. Let it come now. So there's that refinement and that change and that holiness. So I, I, I just kind of like that. And he says, listen, if it begins with us first, so think about if we are people 
who we're gonna walk through fiery trials first, here's what he says. What will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? Have you, do you ever think about that? Like, I think about that when I'm sharing with people. They share the gospel with people and they tell you you're a dork or to shut up or they don't wanna hear it or whatever, whatever things they do. People are usually, you know, some people get real cruel, some people just shut down on you, some people just stare at you and don't say anything and et cetera. And here's what he's saying. Do you understand what those people are facing? You think it's bad for you? They're facing eternal punishment. And we need to know that. Listen, if, if we walk through some kind of fiery trial, stop whining. Yours is temporary. It's going to, listen, it's gonna go away. You're gonna see clearly sometime. But theirs is never gonna go away. They're facing an eternity of the wrath of God. Whenever I think about that, that should bring chills to us. That should, that should bother us. Shouldn't be something we accept. Should bother us. And especially people that we've shared with and they push the gospel away. So he says, listen, you need to know, you need to know that that judgment begins here. But if it's if we're gonna be judged, if you and I are gonna be judged for the things we do, how much more severe is their judgment gonna be? Because we're not gonna be judged to condemnation. We're judged for what God has given us. How much worse is theirs? And then he quotes a proverb, and he says in verse 18, now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved. Now, here's what I like. Some people kind of did, did a study on this, and here's what he's saying. It's really hard to save us, and I kind of believe that, right? I think, I, think it's a big, I think it's a really big deal for God to get us to heaven, now, again, some of you are very holy and you live right lives and, and it's not a difficult thing. For some of us, man, it's hard for God to get us to heaven. It's a difficult, it's a scarcely achieved task, right? I think, I, I gotta be honest, I think at times God looks at me and goes, really? <laughs> I think sometimes he goes, where did you come from? How did you get here? And he's gotta get us into heaven. And that's gotta be, listen, that's gotta be intense. So here's, here's what, what Peter's saying. If that's a difficult thing, and we're gonna read for, in a minute for the creator, if that's a difficult thing for him, here's what he's saying, listen. He's saying, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Listen, think about where they're gonna end up. You and I, God, in some ways, and for some of us, there's gonna be track marks as he drags us into heaven, right? And we're gonna make it. And then he says, but where are these other people gonna end up? If God works that hard for us, where are they gonna end up? And they're gonna end up in eternity without God. And I believe, listen, I believe Jesus, if you really study, spoke more about this thing we call hell, eternal damnation, than he ever did about heaven. Like, we don't have a great picture of heaven, do we? 
think about what do we have? We got some stuff in Revelation that people talk about. And then everybody always speculates, well, what is heaven really going to be like? Is there going to be blah, blah, blah? And we get, well, we have all these questions, right? Are animals going to be in heaven? Yes. I don't know if it's your pets. <laughs> but I know horses come from heaven. And I know it says every creature is going to give him glory. So there are animals, yes. Can I eat all the ice cream I want in heaven? I don't think that's going to be big on your list. I don't think the first thing you get to heaven, you're going to say, where's the ice cream truck? I think you're going to be busy worshiping him. And, you know, on and on we go. Can I eat all the food I want and not gain weight? I don't Again, I don't think that's going to be, you're not going to say, where's the menu? You're going to say, where's Jesus? And you're going to worship him. So, and what is heaven like? All I know is the streets are paved with gold. And listen, it's not that we understand that it's all glistening and pretty. We understand this. In heaven, gold is asphalt. So think about that, all you gold hoggers. (laughs) Just hogging a bunch of asphalt. So he says, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, what will there be for the ungodly and, and the sinner, and where will they appear? Again, just thinking about that, I, I think, again, Jesus describes it pretty heavily. He says that it's a place where your worm will not die, your fire won't go out. It sounds pretty grim to me. Spurgeon, I think, gave the best definition of heaven, I mean, I'm sorry, of hell, of anybody I heard, Spurgeon says this, I want you to think of the worst day of your life, the worst moment, the worst day of your life, then multiply that by 100, and then realize there's no end. Man, that, that's like, that brings desperation, doesn't it? That's what it's like. So, let's get back. Come on, we gotta get out of hell. Therefore, look at, look at verse 19. So he's saying all that. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit themselves to him in doing good. Listen, he says, therefore, if you're suffering, listen, if you suffer according to the will of God, and I know some of us are going, that can't be God's will. How many people have written books and done seminars on how can a loving God allow that to happen? And it's because they don't understand God's love, and they don't understand him. Listen, and I think that's important. And I think bottom line also, they don't understand sin. So here's what he's saying. If you suffer according to God's will, most of us don't want to accept that. But here's the thing. Either the bad things that happen to you are according to his will, or they're by chance. You choose. I would rather choose the things come in my life come from the hand of a loving God who cares for me and cares for me enough to bring that into my life because he knows that's the best thing for me in that moment and that thing is going to correct or refine or do whatever. Or I don't want to choose it, well, it just happened. That's just weird. So he says, for those of us who suffer according to God's will, listen, he says that we commit our souls to him in doing good as the faithful creator. Listen, God is the creator. 
And in your life, he creates. And that's, I know for some of us it's difficult. For some of us it's hard. And I think it's especially hard. Hey, when I'm going through something, I don't, I don't like sit in it or lay in it or whatever's happening and going, woohoo, this is like the best thing that ever happened in my life. I'm, I think like you, probably worse than you. I whine. I have a fit. Why is this going on? I hate this. I don't like this. And then I hear this still small voice say, but I love you. And I'm going to take care of you. Trust me. It's either that or you got to go with Job's wife. Remember what she said? I don't like that, right? Hey, Job, just give it up, curse God, and die. Thank you, sweetheart. (laughs) Isn't it funny that they didn't divorce? I mean, I'm just thinking... That's just like, I'm just thinking, at the end of his life, I'm thinking, I don't want to go back to her. (laughs) So that's a tough one. But isn't that the two choices we have? Either you accept it coming from the hand of a loving God, or it's just by chance, so you might as well curse God and die because it's not from him. I'm going to choose this every time. I may not understand, again, the book of Job. That whole book is about why did this happen to me and what did God say? Job, you don't need to know why. This is my translation, the new Pat translation. (laughs) Job, you don't need to know why. All you need to know is me. Remember that. All you need to know is God. Isn't that what Peter's telling us? This is happening We can't put it together, but trust God. And saints, let me tell you something. You are gonna suffer. You're gonna go through things because we live in a fallen world and we live in a messed up world. You may not suffer horrendous persecution, but you are gonna suffer. You're gonna go through difficult times. Trust God in the midst of those times and let the fire shine light on your life of what you need to do. Let's stand up and pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for having Peter write this. And, and I think for some of us, I'm praying for some of us, it just gives us some kind of just sense out of what's going on in our lives. As we walk through life, things happen to us. And there are things that come our way that sometimes it's hard to understand and hard to figure out. And yet, God, we know that either it's coming from the hand of a loving, caring God or it's just happenstance. And we need to decide, is it merely a coincidence or is our God showing us something and working in our lives? And I pray that we would choose the latter. We would follow you, love you. And God, most of all, that we would rely on you in the midst of those times. And we would allow those things to shine a light in our lives to guide us and direct us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.